Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, dear friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. And I'm so delighted that you're able to join us and that you've carved out some time so that we can look at the Bible through Jewish eyes and Old and New Testaments and to try and understand how Jewish people think. And maybe this will help us all be more effective in praying for the salvation of Jewish people and reaching out to our Jewish friends, neighbors, and relatives. Today, we're going to talk about two very, very important subjects that are important to all followers of Jesus uh, the Messiah. We're going to speak about the fall of mankind or uh, our sin natures. And then we're going to talk about Isaiah 53, which gives us the answer to our sin natures, <laughs> and uh, in pro- prophetically speaking. And so uh, I've written a book on Isaiah 53 entitled Isaiah 53 Explained. Uh, you can even purchase a copy. You can find it on our website at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And I hope that you'll not only read it, but I hope that you'll share it with a friend who doesn't know the Lord, particularly a Jewish friend, if you're able. Again, th- this series is part of our, what we're calling the Dirty Dozen. We're taking the typical objections Jewish people have t- to believing in Jesus, and we're trying to, at least in a short time, respond, help you understand the problems, why they exist, and maybe give some solutions to it. With me is Bobby Walter, my colleague and good friend who serves the Lord in uh, Brooklyn and the greater New York area home to two million Jewish people in just five boroughs. And uh, Bobby, thanks for joining us this morning and look forward to hearing what the Lord has to say through you as well. So let me articulate the objection and turn it over to you, Bobby. Okay. So this is objection number nine. A Jewish person cannot follow Jesus because Judaism does not teach or believe in the fall of humankind or original sin. And so, Bobby, that's the topic, and I'll let you get it started. Yeah, yeah. So, Mitch, honestly, this might be a little shocking to some of our listeners that this is sort of like a mainstream belief in traditional Judaism, that there is no original sin. And it might be shocking because when we think about our faith, it's foundational, the idea that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I remember, uh, it was probably about 10 years ago, I was serving, we were doing an outreach at the King's Highway subway station stop here in Brooklyn. And we had a book table set up. Busy place there, Bob. And very busy place, very busy place. Some and Jewish people there, I guess. Quite a few Jewish people. <laughs> and it's a, a sort of a mixture of Jewish people, a lot of uh, Orthodox, religious Jewish people. So I get into a conversation with this Orthodox man. You know, he's wearing the, the black kippah, the yarmulke, uh, black and white clothes, and the tzitzit, the fringes on the four corners of his garment. He's clearly, you know, a very religious man who apparently has a zeal for God. Uh, and we begin talking about atonement. And I remember in my conversation the moment when it dawned on me that he did not believe in original sin because I kept bringing the conversation back to the idea, well, what do you do for your sin? How do you atone for your sin? If there's no temple, if there's no blood sacrifices, how do you deal with your sin? And he was honestly like very nonchalant and almost flippant about it, like it, basically saying, it's not an issue. 
It's not an issue because we as Jewish people, we don't believe in original sin like you do. Instead, we believe that there's an evil inclination, but to equal it out, there's a good inclination. And we have to sort of submit ourselves more to the good inclination as opposed to the evil inclination. So this just uh, sort of sent me back to the drawing board uh, after that conversation. Uh, so Mitch, what was it like for you as a Jewish man, sure. as, as a Jewish young man or a boy growing up in a Jewish household, uh, when it came to this topic of sin or original sin, what was what was sown into you as a young Jewish man? Well, I have to tell you, I, over the years, I got pretty good at it. <laughs> I, I would say, I would say, at fifteen, I had a graduate degree. Wow, that's impressive. Sin. Yeah, I know. Some people need to get saved, and some people really need to get saved. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, so. Um, just a couple of thoughts, and then uh, let me share a couple things. Uh, first of all, original sin is both a theological concept and a, a one-time action. Mm-hmm. There was an original sin. And the original sin was when Eve and Adam decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God told them not to eat. Right. God had put them in a perfect environment. There was no stress, no st- no, no issues there except there was a tempter. Mm-hmm. And they responded to the tempter and they committed the original sin. Now, if we read in Romans 5 and Romans 6 and uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, if we read in Ecclesiastes 7.20, teaches that there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. And we'll talk about Isaiah 53, 6, maybe in a moment. Uh, The Bible is very clear that this original sin resulted in something that changed the nature of future men and women. Mm -hmm. So that in one way or another, however it was communicated, men and women, mankind, sinned. So it wasn't that we had a choice. We, we do choose, but we don't have a choice because our nature is fallen. Right. So, uh, as Romans 5, where Paul would argue that we were, so to speak, included in that original sin. Mm-hmm. And so, the solution uh, for an original sin is a transformation and a new nature rather than simple repentance. I remember when I was handing out tracts at a university right after the Jewish holidays, New Year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. And a rabbi came up and actually came running up, and I was handing out tracts, and he was taking them out of people's hands. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, one New Yorker to another, I said, who appointed you God's censor for the Jewish people? Is that your role? And he laughed, and I laughed. And I said, you know, by the way, happy holidays. He said, thank you. And, you know, so it got friendly very quickly. And I said, can I ask you one question? He says, sure. I said, were your sins forgiven on the Day of Atonement this year? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you spent the day fasting. You went to synagogue. You repented of your sin. Were your sins forgiven? And he said, well, I don't know. I said, so which way was the wind blowing? (laughs) He said, well, I think maybe I was forgiven. But, you know, Mitch, it doesn't matter. Because the day I walked out of a synagogue on the Day of Atonement, even if God forgave my sins, I would just sin again and have to start the process all over. Mm -hmm. So you see, 
from a theological point of view, Jewish people may not believe in original sin. From a practical point of view, Jewish people fully understand that they sin on a regular basis. And though they have a choice between following the commandments of God and following their own self-will, all too often we choose our own self-will, and it's very difficult for Jewish people uh, to choose uh, God's way. And so, is original sin uh, a Christian doctrine? Well, first of all, I believe it's a biblical doctrine, Mm -hmm. and I believe that doctrine began in the book of Genesis, verse 22 of chapter 3. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken, and he drove man out, out of the garden, and he set up cherubim to guard the garden from man coming back in and defiling the rest of the garden. And so, Jewish people do not actually believe that this refers to a sin nature that travels throughout time, uh, but they do fully understand that man is prone to sin. And that's right. why God gave the Torah. God gave the Torah to keep us from sin. Right. Now, what's the solution to sin? Because we know for sure that we are prone to sin. So I think the solution is found in Isaiah chapter 53, at least in a prophetic sense, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the most important things that we have to highlight if we are sharing with our Jewish friend or neighbor or family member, uh, addressing this issue of sin uh, is showing that this is a, a concept that is all over the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. And Isaiah 53, 6 is a perfect example It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the solution is also included there because you keep reading. It says, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And who is the him there in Isaiah 53? And that brings us to our next objection, Mitch. And the objection is worded like this. A Jewish person may say that they cannot follow Jesus and that Jesus is not the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, because Isaiah 53 is not speaking about one individual Messiah. Instead, it's talking about the nation of Israel. So, Mitch, how do we respond to that interpretation? Well, Bobby, there's a fundamental issue that probably many of our brothers and sisters are not aware of, and that is Jewish people do not believe in two comings, in general do not believe in two messiahs. And so there are two portraits painted prophetically in Isaiah 53, one of a suffering Messiah and the other of a reigning Messiah. So we learn in Isaiah chapter 53 uh, that this person would actually die. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And so we know that the Messiah uh, died. But yet, later in the passage, we read in uh, verse 12, for example, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many. So this servant of the Lord that Isaiah speaks about, written 700 years before the coming of Jesus, describes two different ministries of the Messiah— 
One is to die an atoning death, and the other is to rise from the dead and reign as king. And so the question for our Jewish friends is, how do we understand this passage? And so for years, Jewish people have somehow understood Isaiah 53 as referring to the nation of Israel who was suffered on behalf of the Gentiles. Mm. And in the destruction of the Jewish people in some way brought atonement for the Gentiles. It's, it's very difficult not to accept this the way that we understand it because, number one, Isaiah 53 clearly in the Hebrew and in the English is referring to an individual, not a nation. Mm-hmm. Even though the nation of Israel is called a servant of the Lord. That is true. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, that is true. However, it's the language of the text that makes you understand it. When you read 42 and 49, you see it's clearly Israel. When you read Isaiah 53, it's clearly an individual. Now, one other reason I know that it's not Israel, and that's verse 8. So let me read it. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off Out of the land of the living, that's an idiomatic Hebrew expression for death, Mm -hmm. cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression, uh, the rebellion, the Hebrew word, for of my people. So I once asked an Orthodox rabbi, as we were debating all this, I said, okay, if you can prove to me that Isaiah was a Gentile, I'll, I'll turn away from Jesus. And he laughed and he said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, let's look at Isaiah chapter 53 together. And he said, okay. So he opened up Isaiah 53 in Hebrew. And I said, so read it to me and translate it. Okay. He translated it exactly as I'm using the ESV right right now. And he translated it exactly as we read the English. And I said, so this person dies an atoning death for the sins of the people. Who are the people? He says, well, they're the Jewish people. So are you telling me that the Jewish people died for the Jewish people Hmm. and atoning death. How is that even possible? And he looks at me, he says, I'll take that under advisement and get back to you. So there is no answer to this because that's not what the text teaches. Be gentle, loving, and humble with your Jewish friend because there really is no other response than to believe that Isaiah 53 refers to the coming Messiah. And there are indeed two comings. One, where the Messiah dies for our sin, rises from the dead, ascends to the right hand of God. And secondly, he returns from the right hand of God to reign over the Davidic kingdom at a future date. In addition to partnering with local churches in the New York area, Chosen People Ministries is ready and available to speak at your church or missions conference. And we offer a variety of presentations on topics such as Jewish evangelism, the Jewish roots of Christianity, Messiah in the Old Testament, and so much more. So if you, your church, or your Bible study group is looking for another way to go deeper in your study of the culture, heritage, and history of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, then please request more information today at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. And if you're not looking for a specific study topic, but you just want to let us know you're listening to this program, we'd love to hear from you. Just connect with us today at chosenpeople.com radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from David Hecht. 
As David read the Tanakh, or the Hebrew Scriptures, he realized that the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had a much closer relationship with God than he did. So he set out to find a way to know God in a much more personal and profound way. David is a wonderful brother and actually came to faith through Israel Cohn, who's one of our long-term, very long-term uh, servants of God with Chosen People Ministries. And I know that you're going to love David's testimony. Here's God, and here he's speaking of himself in plural and singular pronouns. Everything now is upside down. I had this warm feeling come over my body from head to toe. The, the synagogue was a, a big part of our life. My father, over the years, was president of the synagogue. We observed uh, all the holidays. We were always looking back on what God had done in the past, and I, I was began to ask myself, what is God doing now? Why are we always looking back? In my early 20s, I drifted away from the synagogue. I was looking for meaning and purpose in my life. I started searching down different avenues, Eastern religions, transcendental meditation. After I had exhausted all avenues, I sold everything and went to a maritime school and started shipping out on merchant ships for 11 years. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Far East and in Eastern Europe and, and South and Central America. And wherever I went, I would go to a synagogue and then a house of worship for that uh, particular culture. But I always took with me my uh, Torah and Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, and rabbinic literature. I was studying the Bible one evening, and I came to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us create man in our image. In our image, let us create man, male and female. And I'm thinking to myself, how can God be us and him at the same time? And when I spoke to my rabbi, the answers that he gave me just didn't, uh, didn't uh, resonate with me. As I was continuing to study, I noticed the personal relationship that God had with our fathers, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua. God spoke with them and they made sacrifice and made altars. And I didn't have that relationship with God. At the synagogue, no one had that personal relationship. So I began to pray, God, I want to know you like our fathers. As I continued my study through the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Writings, a resume of the Messiah began to develop. What family he would be born into, what lineage, when he would come. It built a very strong case for, for uh, Yeshua, uh, Jesus, the Messiah. So um, uh, by then I began to pray, God, if, if Yeshua is the Jewish Messiah and Savior of the world, Please reveal this to me. One evening as I was driving from Sarasota to Panama City, I saw four crosses along the side of the road over the course of the trip. And when I looked at them, this overwhelming sense of joy and peace came over my body from head to toe. From that moment on, I began to think of Jesus. His name would just appear in my mind and I would have this overwhelming feeling of joy and peace and contentment. One day I was reading a book and I'd fallen asleep and all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I heard Yeshua Adonai, Yeshua my Lord, and I woke up and what was that? 
When I had shared with my family that I had received Yeshua as my Messiah, there was a lot of rejection. Uh, and they said, how could you do this? And don't you know what Christians have done to our people over the years? And thought I had joined a cult. Years later, they've seen the, the positive change in my life. And, and now Maxie and I are, uh, for the most part, assimilated back into our families. We're being invited to weddings and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Sometimes it's not easy to be a Jewish follower of Yeshua, so I would encourage uh, everyone to pray for the Jewish people, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and to pray for the salvation of Israel. Just saying the word Israel invokes a response. It's a word that means so many different things to so many different people. The ancient land of the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, the son of Isaac and Abraham. It's a vacation destination, a hot button topic in the political arena, and perhaps most significantly, it's the place where three of the world's major religions converge. So what should we think about Israel? Well, that's the title of a book edited by J. Randall Price that we're giving away for free this month when you reach out to let us know you're listening. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for the book, What Should We Think About Israel? Edited by J. Randall Price when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks for reaching out. We look forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. We've got a variety of resources available to help you discover the Jewish history and heritage of the Christian faith. Resources to help you learn how to share your faith with a Jewish friend or family member. And then we even have a free gift just for you. I love that, a free gift. And I'll bet it's a book. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I know it is because I wrote a chapter for the book. So we're offering uh, Randall Price, a professor at Liberty, his book, What Should We Think About Israel? And that's a gift to you, our listeners, for taking time to listen to the program. And it's our way of saying thanks for letting us know that you're here and you're praying for the ministry and if you want this book, which is really excellent, Randall's a great writer, and he put together some tremendous chapters, chosenpeople.com slash radio, chosenpeople.com slash radio. And while you're on the website, click on an article or two, and then be sure to look at all the different ways you can get plugged in with Chosen People Ministries. We have short-term opportunities, long-term opportunities, children's camps, outreaches, short-term outreaches in New York and Florida. Uh, excuse me for the Florida. I am a New Yorker. That's with an A, not an ER. Florida and so much more. Uh, there's a lot to discover on the website, and you'll find it by going to chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also let us know you're listening by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. Or call us. The number to dial is 888 888- 293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA. And don't forget to ask for your free copy of Randall Price's book, What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's close the program with the ironic benediction. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.